this morning we're going to be looking in Philippians chapter 1 and I believe Paul would have been singing that song had he known it seeing it is well and this morning we're going to be continuing our series in uncommon joy and the uncommon joy of knowing Jesus is what allows us to sing that song allowing us to say, you know what, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the garbage that's going on in my life, I'm able to say, it is well. It's not because of myself, it's not because of those around me, but it's because of Jesus. And and I believe Paul would have been celebrating this song because it echoes what he, what he talks about um, in this passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at this morning, we're, we are continuing this, se- this series that Mark started a few weeks ago. And we're going to be in Philippians 1, uh, verses 12 through 20. And it's a cool set of uh, Scripture uh, for a lot of reasons. And one of the reasons why is, is Paul is talking to a group of people who he loves dearly. He's talking to a church that he's invested a lot of time, energy. Uh, he's friends with these people. He loves these people dearly. And he's sending them a message of, of how he's doing. Very similar to, uh, to, to social media, in a sense. I don't know about y'all, but like I, when I wake up in the morning, I check Facebook, Instagram, my social media accounts. When I get home from work, I check and see how people are doing. And, and I don't know about y'all, but for me personally, I love staying in touch with people. I love seeing what's going on in their life. I love seeing uh, what people are celebrating, maybe what people are struggling with. Um, it allows you to stay connected with people you don't necessarily see all the time. Now, obviously, social media has only existed for the past decade or so. So Paul didn't have that, but what he did have was these letters. And through these letters, oftentimes he was encouraging, he was sharing with these churches uh, biblical truths, but he was also simply catching some of them up on what he was going through. And in this passage this morning, that's what Paul's doing. He's catching up the church of Philippi, this church that he loves dearly, he's saying, hey, this is what's going on in my life right now. This is what's going on. And so he opens this chapter with thanksgiving and joy and his prayer for himself and for this community of believers. But then in verse verse 12, he begins to dive in on his current circumstances, what's going on in his life, where he is and how God is moving. And I, I think as we dive into this passage together, we'll, we'll be able to see how Paul is saying it is well with his soul and it is well regardless of circumstances. Jesus is at work. And so if you would, uh, please look with me at verse 12 here in the first chapter of Philippians. Paul says this in verse 12, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually advanced the gospel so that it has become known through the whole imperial guard and to everyone else, that my imprisonment is because I am in Christ. Most of the brothers have gained confidence in the Lord from my imprisonment and dare even more to speak the word fearlessly. To be sure, some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. These preach out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. The others proclaim Christ out of the selfish ambition, not sincerely thinking that they will cause me trouble in my imprisonment. What does it matter? Only that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is proclaimed. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice because I know this will lead to my salvation through your prayers 
and help from the Spirit of Jesus Christ. My eager expectation and hope from the my eager expectation and hope is that I will not be ashamed about anything, but that now, as always, with all courage, Christ be highly honored in my body, whether by life or by death. Let's pray as we as we look at this text. Father, God, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for for being able to see a snapshot here into Paul's life, Father. And we pray that as we look at how Paul disregards his circumstances, he disregards those things going on around him. Why? For the sake of the gospel. And God, I pray that we would be challenged as, as we look at this text, that we would realize that, yes, the circumstances in our life are important, and yes, they, they do, they're not always great, but ultimately what is important in this life is your gospel, and that we would cling to your gospel so at the end of the day we might be able to say it is well. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So Paul, here in, in Philippians, uh, he is in jail, most likely in Rome, uh, and he has gone through a ton of dis- different circumstances leading up to this. He's been in jail multiple times. Uh, he's been able to see miraculous acts of God through all of this, but he's also been through things like shipwrecks. He's been robbed. He's been He's been beaten all for the sake of Jesus, and here he is in jail, and he's talking about what's going on in his life. He starts off this phrase, he's like, hey church, I want you to know this. I want you to know, Church of Philippi, what's going on in my life. To us today, he's saying, hey, I want you to see what it looks like when the gospel invades your life, what it looks like to live a gospel-driven life, an uncommon joy life. Paul here, regardless of his circumstances, was focused on what was most important to him. And what was most important to him was the gospel advancing, was the gospel being proclaimed. And we see this beautiful truth that that Paul was facing hardship, but he sees life change occur when the gospel is the focus of his life, not his circumstances. And for many of us, it's easy to get caught up in our circumstances. It's easy to get caught up in what's right in front of our face, what's right in front of us, And Paul here, even though, yes, he's struggling through these different things, he's focused on Jesus. He's focused on what's most important to him, and that is the gospel uh, being advanced uh, in his life and through his life. And so for us today, as we wrestle with this topic of uncommon joy that we see in Philippians, uncommon joy is anchored in the gospel. Regardless of our circumstances, though, the gospel is at work. That's a beautiful thing to say, regardless through the circumstances of our life, the gospel is at work. It's also very encouraging. It's very encouraging to know that even though my life not be, might not be going in the direction I see or might not be going in the direction that I wanted it, the gospel, God, is at work in my life. And so there's a couple truths that, that go along with this, uh, that this, this truth that uncommon joy is anchored in the gospel, and regardless of our cir- circumstances, the gospel is at work. And so what Paul does is he shares what's actually going on in his life. He doesn't go into this big, uh, you know, theoretical thing. He says, hey, this is what's going on my li- in my life, and this is what it looks like to live a gospel-centered life. He says, hey, I'm in jail. I'm in jail. Why? Because of, because of Christ, I'm in jail. And even though I'm in jail... Uh, there's, there's all these awesome things going on for the sake of the gospel. There's people coming to know him. I'm getting to share the gospel with these guards. I'm getting to see God work in these powerful ways. But also there's some controversy. There's some 
difficult things going on. But even through all of that, his prayer and his hope is that Christ would be honored in his body. So Paul here is in jail. He's endured so many different hardships and trials and difficult things up to this moment in his life. And yet, his one goal, his one hope is that the gospel would be made known, that the gospel would go forth. He doesn't sound very discouraged in this. Even though Paul is is sharing these good things that are going on, he also shares some bad things that are going on in these verses. In verses 15 through 18, he shares about how um, there are people who oppose him and that even though they are believers, they're opposing one another. And I think it's kind of, this isn't a part of my notes or anything, but I think it's interesting Paul's response as he calls uh, they're being wrong. He calls it for what it is, but he doesn't dwell on it. He says, you know what? These people might be wrong here. They might be doing me wrong here, and they might not be living the most godly life, but hey, let's focus on what's important here, and what's important here is the gospel is being proclaimed. They didn't get caught up in the petty things. But Paul here, his uncommon joy is not found in the circumstances of his life. His uncommon joy is found in the gospel of Jesus Christ. As I was Prepping this week, I ran across this definition of joy, this kind of working definition for what it looks like to to have joy in your life. And it's simply this, joy is not the self-satisfied delight that everything is going our way, but the settled peace that arise from making Christ the focus of our life. So many times when we think of joy, we think of the good that's going on in my life. We think, Everything's going smooth, so that must mean joy. It's not necessarily the case. How was it that Paul, even in the midst of controversy, even in the midst of adversity, being in jail isn't a super happy thing to be in. And being in a, a bit of controversy with fellow believers, like that's not exactly the most joyful thing to be excited about. And yet, here we have Paul here. He's not getting bogged down in the details of his circumstances. He's not throwing a pity party He's not Facebook ranting about how bad his life is. What he's doing, though, is he's saying, hey, even though these things are bad, even though these things aren't perfect, you know, Jesus is being glorified through this. Jesus is at work. And so the beginning of uncommon joy is realizing our joy isn't found in the circumstances of this life. Realizing that my success, realizing that uh, my family are not the sources of my joy, but my ultimate source of joy is found in Jesus Christ. And that is the truth that Paul is, is wrestling with here as he talks about the circumstances of his life, as he gives this church an update about what's going on in his life. He's saying, you know what? My circumstances, they don't look that great right now, but Jesus is so much greater than those things. Jesus is so much greater Uh, then what is going on in my life? And because of that, I'm able to say it is well. Because of Jesus in my life, I'm able to say it is well. All of us walk into this this room with different baggage, and we're all in different seasons of life. And uh, as we we think about this topic of, of uncommon joy, sometimes it's hard to feel joyful. Like, let's just be real. Sometimes it's very difficult in the midst of circumstances to feel joyful. Maybe it's loss, or maybe uh, your family's going through a tough time. It's a difficult thing. And Paul models for us here that even though our circumstances might be negative, they might not be great, 
For us to find joy, we must seek it in Jesus Christ. We must seek our joy in Him. And so, where is uncommon joy found? Uncommon joy is simply found in the Gospel. Uncommon joy is found in the Gospel of Jesus Christ. The fact that that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and our sins separated us from God, but because of Jesus, we've been made right with God. And because of that, we're able to enter into a relationship with Him that, apart from Jesus, we wouldn't be able to experience. And Paul here is saying, hey, regardless of the circumstances of my life, the joy that I'm able to experience is, I'm able to experience this because of what Jesus has done. I'm able to experience this because Jesus has radically saved this sinner, this, this person. He saved me from myself so that I can experience this joy in life that regardless of the circumstances that I might be in, I'm able to be, be able to be joyful and say, you know what? It's well. It is well with my soul. Why? Because the most important thing in my life has been taken care of. And that's my relationship with God. I'm no longer separated from God through sin, but through Jesus Christ, I've been made right with God. And regardless of what might happen in this world, nothing can separate us from that love. Nothing can separate us from the the fact of knowing Jesus. Nothing can separate us from the gospel of Christ. And so the gospel is what grounds him here. The gospel is what grounds Paul here in the midst of these circumstances, in the midst of life not going the way that he had necessarily anticipated or wanted. But the gospel is what motivates him. The gospel, the gospel that, that leads us to having uncommon joy is what is motivating him. And we see in these verses just a, a couple really cool ways about how the gospel is at work. Even in the midst of these poor circumstances, the gospel is at work in his life. In verses 12 and 13, we see that the gospel is flourishing among them. The word that they use here is the word advance. And this, this Greek word, um, this is a poor, poor um, translation, but it's a more of a military term of pushing through the line, of, of blazing a trail. And Paul here is saying, even though I'm in jail, I'm incarcerated in this cell or in this house, whatever it might have been, the gospel is blazing a trail amidst the believers here. The gospel is at work and it's moving, it's powerful. It's advancing in incredible ways. In verse 14, we see that, that Paul's actions, his, um, his boldness with the gospel is not only, um, share, it's not only uh, leading others to Christ, but it's also empowering and encouraging the believers around him. The, uh, it says that the, they were encouraged and emboldened. They, were, they gained confidence from what the Lord was doing through Paul. And then in verse 15 through 19, we see Paul responding to controversy. There was, it's not exactly sure what was going on, but there was some, some false motives and some, some controversy between them. And instead of dwelling on that, Paul calls it for what it is. He moves on and says, you know what's important? Jesus being glorified. Jesus being made known. And in verse 20, we see what is anchoring Paul. We see in verse 20 what is motivating him. And he simply says that Christ is highly honored in my body. This was one of the questions that I wrestled with this week is, is this perspective of life what's motivating me? Is Christ being honored in my life what motivates me? I think if we were to to stop and, and really think about that question 
It would be a gut check for many of us. Is Christ what's motivating that He would be highly honored regardless of circumstance, regardless of what's going on, that He would be, that He would be what motivates me uh, to live a life for Him? Paul here is, is encouraging, uh, he's, he's encouraging the church of Philippi to follow after his example and in in saying, hey, you know what? Regardless of what circumstances you might be in, your focus should be that, that Christ be honored and Christ be glorified and Christ be made known. As I was thinking about this, Paul simply had a gospel perspective. He allowed the gospel to invade every aspect of his life. And so through everything that he did, he saw uh, his life through the lens of the gospel. So whatever he did, he did it for the sake of the gospel. Later on in this chapter, it talks about how, how to live as Christ and to die as gain. Basically saying, you know what, this life, it, it doesn't matter what's going on for me, but for me to live, I want to live all for Christ. And it doesn't matter if I lose my life in the midst of that, but I'm going to do everything in my power to live with uh, all of who I am for the sake of Christ. When we realize our joy comes from what Christ has done in our life, it puts our circumstances into perspective. So how do we have this uncommon joy that motivated Paul? How do we do this? Well, we simply have to fall in love with Jesus and what he's done in our life. When we realize that our joy comes from the fact that God has saved us in such an incredible way and that he, he's poured his love out for us, it, changes the, it should change the way that we, we see the world around us. And we should be looking through this, this world with this lens of, uncom- of uncommon joy, what Christ has done in our life. It should motivate us to, to look to Christ in the midst of, circumstance, of poor circumstances. It should cause us to look to Christ in the good of this life. When we realize what, what Christ has saved us from, what He's given us. I don't know how that doesn't move us into worship and just being excited about what He's done. It allows us to say the phrase, it is well. It allows us to sing that song that we sang before before this time in the Word. Because of what Christ has done, it allows us to live a life of uncommon joy. So practically speaking is... As Paul is living this life of uncommon joy and as, he, as he's not allowing the circumstances to get him down, as he realizes the joy is found in the gospel, he begins to share what happens when we have this perspective of uncommon joy. And it's simply this, uncommon joy builds community. It builds community. It builds gospel-centered community. Two things happen that we've already mentioned, two things happen when Paul lives a life of uncommon joy. We see Christ being made known through the whole imperial guard. I think it's incredible that, that Paul is in jail and the guards who are, are there to watch him begin hearing about the gospel. Paul here in the midst of this terrible moment in his life takes this moment instead of you know having a pity party for himself Instead of complaining about what's going on, he's saying, no, I'm going to use this for the sake of Jesus. I'm not going to let this affect my life. I'm going to use this so that Jesus might be magnified and Jesus might be made known. And so it doesn't say that if these, if these guards came to know Christ and put their faith in him, but 
it simply says that Paul made it known, that Jesus was made known to these people, these guards. We can only assume that some of them probably responded. But we also see something else that happens. The community of believers is strengthened. They're encouraged. They're challenged. It says they become fearless with speaking the Word of God. When we live a life of uncommon joy, it spurs on other believers. It encourages those around us. It encourages the generations above and the generations below to live for Jesus. Paul and his his love for the Lord and his willingness to to be obedient, he set an example that, that the believers around him were able to go out and live out their faith in a much more emboldened and fearless way. I can only imagine during this time how difficult it would have been to be a believer. You know, many were persecuted, they were thrown in jail. And yet because of Paul's example and the Lord working through Paul and encouraged the church around him to proclaim the word of the Lord fearlessly. You know, for us today, we don't face the persecution that they face. We don't face the fear of talking about our faith. We don't face the fear of, of, of others knowing our relationship with Jesus. And yet, are we fearless with speaking the word of the Lord? Are we fearless with speaking biblical truths in the lives of our friends, our families, our neighbors, our co-workers? Are we willing to step outside of our comfort zone and say, this is what the Lord has done for me, and I would love to share what He could do for you? It's important to note here that Paul's faith was worth replicating. And this is really the question that I began to wrestle with this week that just ripped my heart out. And I really, I'm, I'm, I'm teaching, I'm preaching this to myself just as much as I am to y'all. But Paul's faith was worth replicating. Is my faith worth replicating? Is the uncommon joy of knowing Jesus, is the way that I live out my life knowing that, is the way that I live out my life and knowing what Jesus has done, is that worth replicating? Paul here, as he was living out his faith, as he was living out his faith in an incredibly bold way, it was worth replicating. The church grew. People came to know Christ. The believers were encouraged. They were spurred on. They they were able to say, you know what, because of what Paul's doing, and because of what Christ is doing through him, I want to be like that. Can the same be said about my faith? Can the same be said about our faith? It's a tough question to wrestle with. Here it is clear that that Paul's faith was worth replicating. Why? Because he had experienced the incredible joy of knowing Jesus. This isn't about what we do. It's about our response to what Jesus has done in our life. Paul was not doing these things so that Paul would be made known. Paul was not doing those things so that they would say, Oh, Paul is such a great Christian. No, Paul was doing these things as a response to what Jesus has done in his own heart and his own life. What's my response? What's our response to what Christ has done in our life? 
Are we going to take this precious gift of salvation? Are we going to hold it into ourselves? Or are we going to share it to the world? Are we going to shout it from the rooftops because He saved us from ourselves? He saved us from our sins and given us the most precious, precious gift that we could ever imagine. The gift of salvation that, that Paul has experienced, it, it forced him into this moment of response where he said, you know what, because of what Jesus has done in my life, I'm going to live differently. I'm going to live in a way that brings Christ honor, not myself. I'm going to live in a way where my joy is not found in the circumstances of this life, but my, my joy is found in the circumstance of being secure and found in Jesus. Is knowing Jesus what motivates us is knowing Jesus the source of our uncommon joy that we have as a group of believers? Is the joy in response to that joy, which is my faith, worth replicating? I think if, if a group of believers were to respond as Paul responded, if individuals were to respond as Paul responded to the joy of knowing Jesus, I wonder what the church would look like at times. This joy of knowing Jesus, this joy that, that, that causes Paul to respond in such drastic ways that makes Jesus the center point of his life. What would happen if the church were to do that today? What if we were to say, you know what? Mandarin Baptist Church exists to make Jesus known, and we're going to respond to the joy that's he, that He's given each of us. We're going to respond to what He's done in my life. And from that, we're going to respond by, by telling others, serving others, showing others what it looks like to follow after Jesus. So that we can say we have a faith worth replicating. So we can say, you know what? I am not perfect by any means, but I love Jesus so much that I want other people to love Jesus as I love Him. And it becomes, it becomes gossiping about Jesus. It comes so naturally that we're not thinking, we're not having to create strategy, we're not having to talk about this how to share the gospel. Why? Because the gospel has changed us in such a radical way where it comes out naturally in our everyday life. Where it comes out naturally, and it's a natural response to the, the situations and the circumstances that we're in. The gospel becomes the lens that we look through. The gospel becomes the un or it becomes the anchor for the uncommon joy that we experience in Jesus Christ. As we wrap up uh, about this, and as we wrap up this passage in Philippians, I think there's a few responses that we can have. I think some of us in this room. In a room like this, some of us can say, you know, I, Matt, I don't know what you're talking about. This uncommon joy. I've been in church. I've, I've, I've grown up in church or I've been to church many times or this is the first time I've ever been here. I don't know what this experiencing joy in Christ is about. Well, let me tell you, you can experience it by putting your faith in Jesus Christ. It says in Romans, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, we can be saved. It's as simple as that. It's nothing of what we do. It's all because of what Jesus Christ has done on the cross. That in our sin, He died and rose again so that we could be made right with God. And through that, it changes the trajectory of our lives. 
So some of us in this room might be saying, you know, I want to experience that joy of knowing Christ. If that's you, here in a few minutes, we're going to play a song. There's going to be some staff members down here in the front. I would encourage you just to come walk forward and come talk to one of us staff members. We would love to pray through you and process what the Lord is doing in your life. I think some of us uh, maybe are distracted by the circumstances of our life. And the circumstances of our life are very serious. The circumstances of our life are, are troubling at times and they're difficult. But maybe those circumstances have clouded what's important to us. They've gotten in the way of, of Jesus being the center point of our life. And maybe some of us need to, just to, to reset and say, you know what, God? You, you are the centerpiece of my life. And even though circumstances are, are not perfect and I am struggling through this and that, Jesus, knowing you is the joy and what should motivate me, Father. And I want to reset. The altar will be open here in a moment to say, God, help me focus on you instead of the circumstances of this life. And lastly, I think that many of us are in this boat. We're in many, many of us are in this, this challenging conviction of Paul's life here. We're challenged and convicted in this idea of living a faith worth replicated. Is the faith that I'm living out, is my response to the gospel worth replicating? I think many of us in this room would sit here and wrestle with that question. My prayer is that we would realize that Jesus is worthy of living a life completely sold out to Him. And that when we realize the joy of following after Him, we realize the joy of simply knowing Christ, it would compel us to live a faith that is constantly sharing about what He's doing. It would, it would be a faith that would encourage fellow believers around us. It would be a faith that would literally set this city upside down because of what Jesus is doing in us and through us. And it would be a natural response because of the joy of knowing who Jesus is. So, if you fall in any of those categories, our worship band is going to come up here. And they're going to play a song, and I would encourage you to respond. How the Lord is moving in, our, in your life, there's going to be staff members up here who, who would love to pray with you and talk with you. If you simply need to come up here and pray, the altar is open as, as an opportunity to respond to what the Lord is doing and working in your life. So as we continue in this moment of response, let's go before God right now. Father, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You for, for how Your Word convicts and challenges us, how it cuts to the quick, it cuts to our innermost being, Father. God, I pray that we would look to the example of Paul here and look to his response to the joy of the gospel. And that, Father, it would motivate us, not because we want to be this awesome believer, but because we want to respond to the joy that you've given us. Father God, I pray that, that you would be working in the lives and the hearts of the people in this room, and myself included, Father, that we would be a people, that we would be a people of uncommon joy. And because of that, we would respond by living a life radically obedient and sold out to following after you.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.